Hey, listeners, I just want to give a little disclaimer that this particular episode does mention um, suicide and slavery. So if either of these are a trigger for you, you might want to skip on to the next episode. I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Hi, welcome back, gang. Greetings, travelers. Ooh, hello, hello. And we are here. We are, it's uh oh, it is a uh, frigid winter day again in Florida. We're we're only breaking the seventies, so <laughs> we, at least we're not dodging falling iguanas anymore. So well, that's you know, it actually was um, down into the thirties up here in North Carolina, up here in the Appalachians. I don't uh, think I'm yeah. actually in the Appalachians. I like. You know, you're, right, you're in the foothills. You're in the. I'm foothills. in. I'm in the Blue Ridges. The Blue oh, Ridges. Yeah, that's 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 a sub range. That's a sub range. Yes, but um, it's actually 51 degrees here today, which is nice because it's been warmer. But um, the rest of the week, apparently, freezing rain. So not oh yeah, freezing. we're gonna have, we're gonna have another cold front coming up. Where it's actually gonna get in the 50s again. But you know that's oh my gosh, it's 51 as it gets you. down here. You know every. You know, you remember everybody has to wear a parka when it gets down into the 50s down here. So the but fact that you went to parka instead of like a winter coat. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's you know, it's it's in bulk, so which is what we celebrate this time of year. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're celebrating buying things in like large quantities? No, not not in bulk, not Costco. This is this is in bulk, which is the uh Celtic or the Gaelic festival. Uh um it's uh it's mostly, you know, Wiccan uh, use it now, but it's also a Christian holiday. It was uh, St. Bridget's Day, but that actually comes from the Gaelic goddess Bridget, but they turned her into a human for Christianity. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's how, as they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you do. Yeah. Like you do. Yeah. Hey, hey, they've got all these great holidays. Let's, let's keep them. Let's just change them a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, but um, it's basically, you know, February 1st through February 2nd. And St. Bridget, you, 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 you leave out milk for her, just like Santa, uh, but you also leave out wool or, um, or um, you know, because she's associated with, because this is basically the turning of the year. It's, we're halfway through winter. We're, we're between Yule and Ostara. We're halfway there. So it's, spring isn't here yet, but the first signs are starting to show. This is usually when the, the baby sheep start showing up and the, you know, and she's a fertility character from the, uh, I'm going to use another word, the Tuatha de Danon, uh, which is the the Celtic, you know, pantheon, for a better word. It, again, it's not, they didn't really have like pantheons of gods. They just, that was their belief system. It's, I don't like no. saying the mythology or folklore. No, this is what, this is their, their world, you know, so. Well, I'm glad it's kind of colder out if you're going to leave milk out. I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, just for sanitary purposes, I exactly. guess it's way better than have some sort of summer god that you're leaving milk out for. Because I think it, you'll have a raw burgundy moment if you do that. It's like a really terrible idea. So um, uh, can happy and bulk. To yeah, I mean, if you're if you're Wicca, you you know decorate your candle, you know decorate your altar with some you know some sun-colored candles and 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 some wool, and then if you're you know Christian, like I said, leave out the leave out the 
leave out the milk and make a little uh, uh, bridged cross, which you do out of, uh, you know, uh, you do it like weaving uh, leaves and stuff like that. So. Well, now you just made this sound like a lot more work because I could have thrown a pair of wolf socks and a cup of milk out. But if I'm not going to have to weave something, um, I'll leave that to the experts. I'm not well, the other anything. The other option is, you know, hey, it's a fertility festival, so you can do things like that. So <laughs> That I'm down for. Count me there in. 100%. I'm down for, you know, fertility gods unite. I love that. No, and not all now, the same Before place, the that show... We, before we start recording, you said you had news. I do. I do. I have to yep. start with Robert. And we are speaking of Robert the doll. Ooh. We love you. We love and Robert. for sharing this, knowing that you would appreciate this as a warning to everyone in the entire universe. So the director, right? The mm. director, whose name was Andrew Jones, who did an unapproved um, uh, film about Robert the Doll. It was oh, not approved. Right. Unauthorized. Sixteen classic Curse of Robert the Doll with the, the terrible, ugly version of him. Yes. Exactly. Has died. What? He, he was a young like guy. 39 years old and died of a rare condition called Cushing syndrome. Wow. So apparently he was in jail for tax evasion or something like that. Yeah, Don't they, they made those movies to avoid German taxes. So he was already not yeah. having a good time. Not having a good time. Made an unapproved version of Robert yep. the Doll. Don't do that. And has died of some weird, rare disease. So wow. the moral here, Mark. Robert the doll, you got to be nice to dolls. Be Always nice to Robert. Nice to yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. What, what do you think about that, uh, Callie? I am scared of the doll. Uh, he's a very handsome boy. I'd like to say that. The record, we love Robert. Please don't kill me. That's all. Right. That was an official disclaimer from our producer that we all love Robert the doll. We all love Robert. Robert the doll is the best. And if we were to ever ask for his picture or video, we would ask permission way in advance. And, and otherwise, Robert, yeah, you know, Robert knows me from Curse of Robert the Doll, the authorized one where we had permission and and I was one of the safety instructors, like everybody asked permission, every shot, everything. It was it was a lot of fun. So uh so you know look, I, I'm not in jail for tax evasion and I'm not dying of rare disease. So you know just follow the rules. You'll be good. I would like oh. to state for the record that uh, his two kids both got into car accidents about a month after he recorded that Robert Curse of the Doll thing. So I just I just want to put that out there. Uh, Robert, you're great. You're handsome. We love you. <laughs> yep. in the face. Yep. And I'm just going to say this for my friend Susie. You're out there. I know you're listening. Uh, be nice to dolls. I don't yes. care how mad you get at them. Be nice to dolls because I personally feel it is one of the easiest ways for the other side to be on this side. So yeah, be nice yeah. to them because you never it, know what might be inhabiting one of them. Yeah, it and mirrors. That that's definitely effigies and mirrors. That's the key. Those are the, oh, we have to do an episode talking about why not to have a mirror pointed at your bed. Oh, yeah, Kelly, you make a note about that. Yes. 
Okay. Sorry. Changing subjects. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh today, my gosh. Well, you know, it's the only other thing we got to do is say hi to Puxatani Phil for Groundhog Day, which is coming up. So, yeah. Hello. Please yeah. don't go back into your, you know, um, yeah. hole or whatever. Don't do that. You it know, might throw off in bulk. So you know, yeah. we don't. You know, we don't. We don't need that. So. But anywho, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. So we should do another. I know we did a warning at the beginning. So, but... yeah, I'll do a trigger warning here. Today we're going to be talking about um, the massacre of, of Rosewood, which was a town in Florida. There is going to be, first of all, a lot of violence triggers, but it's a very racially motivated story of what happened to many Black Americans at that time in that city. So um, super trigger warning, if you're triggered by anything having to do with racism or violence, um, uh, uh, there are lynchings involved in this. So unfortunately, this is the episode we want to pay some honor to this, um, discussing it because it was lost to history, which we'll get into in just a little bit. But if it's a lot for you, please um, skip this episode and join us for our next one. It, it is the 100th anniversary of this event, so of this dark history and uh, uh, just this this terrible thing that happened. So we felt, you know, we, we have to bring it up. It is Black History Month, and, uh, and this was forgotten for way too long. And, um, and even I now... I think we should, when we say the word forgotten, I think we should... Do a little bit of a tweak to that, and I know you okay. you agree with was, me, Mark. Which is, there are some parts of history that I know are coming um, up more and more, where people are actually acknowledging what happened, versus pretending like it didn't happen. Because it's not like it was something everybody just didn't remember. There were people went out of their way to make sure that this was erased from history as a conversation. Yeah. And, and there was a a culture of silence, and we'll get into that towards the end here about it yes. because uh, for those that survived it because they did not want to talk about this it was uh definitely a crazy crazy time uh, but we'll you know but I, I guess the best way to start is to go you know back to the beginning on this um so uh, literally 100 years ago uh there was a town called rosewood uh and it was up in the panhandle of florida and it was separated by a few miles from the towns of Cedar Key and the town of Sumner. And Rosewood was kind of named, it had a lot of red cedar up there in the Panhandle. We don't get a lot of cedars here in Florida. Uh, they tend to stop, you know, uh, right about Panhandle. But this area had tons of them. And so they were being used for pencils at the local uh, sawmills uh, and this and this this kind of city had about a population of around 100 that we know of uh, and it had about 20 some odd houses the majority of them were black families uh, there were four white families living in this town uh, the rest were doing well prosperous they were working at the mill in Sumner and uh, some were working as farmers and and they were, you know, and these were freed people. This was, you know, early 1920s. So, you know, this is not 
you know, the, you know, the, the slave days and all that, but it's still fresh in people's minds. And, and then what happens is terrible. It's uh, New Year's Day uh, of 1923, 100 years ago, and a lady there just, gosh, it's, I hate, yeah, I, I'm already losing it. Jeez, I, I just, yeah. so Fanny uh, Taylor, I, yeah, it, it, it hits me so hard, this, this story. Fanny is, Taylor, um, she is a married white woman in Sumner. She has a couple people from Rosewood who work in her house, and she had a bad day and got beat up by somebody uh, and assaulted. And uh, she said that it was a black man. Black man came in and beat her up. Now, the day before, the nearby town, uh, uh, Levi County Sheriff, um, he says, or Levy County, depending on where you're from in that area to pronounce it, uh, he says that there's uh, a large black man had escaped off of a chain gang nearby, uh, right near the Florida-Alabama border, and so he might be coming through Rosewood, which is an area that he was also patrolled. Um, so when she comes out screaming, help me, help me, I've been attacked, and it was a large black man, um, it gets out fast. All the workers are pouring out of the mill. They, they want vengeance. Um, oh, um, and it's, they want, they want, they want blood. They, they will settle for nothing less. A, a white woman being attacked by a black man, we can't have that. And, um, and so they decide, oh, it's got to be this guy who escaped off the, you know, the prison gang uh, that was, you know, doing road work and stuff like that. Um, so must be him. It has to be because they knew the family in Rosewood. They weren't, they were, they were not problem people as they called them. Uh, they used another word that we won't use on the show. Uh, they were good people. They worked hard. They had families and they bought businesses you know they bought stuff they had businesses uh and so but you can't have that so they must be hiding him so they went over to the town you know just a few miles away to get vengeance and they were looking for this guy who had escaped off the farm and um which is and and the sheriff well you know brought him over there because he wanted to try to keep order he knew this was a you know a, a powder keg of a situation and, and one thing um we should clarify just going back so when you said assault when fanny said she was assaulted she actually specifically said she wasn't raped she was just yeah. beat up by whoever this person was yeah yeah they were like oh you were raped by a black man and she's like no 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 i was just beat up because even she didn't want to say that because then she would be you know you know that was a unforgivable sin beat up sure you know um, and but I, when you say a chain gang because unfortunately chain gangs no um fortunately sorry yes. chain gangs are not um something that exists anymore but it used to be when they would bring prisoners out and they would tie them together with chains to do work and yep. that's why they called it a chain gang, chain gang. yeah most famously presented in the movie's life 
uh, with Eddie Murphy, and then uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou with George Clooney, where they escape off of a chain gang and they're chained together, and you know that's and they've got to run together and do all these things together because that's you're stuck, you know, with the guy next to you. So yeah. this guy had escaped on his own, and um, so uh, basically they go to see you know what's going on right um and um some people say that you know she was lying that's really what this boils down to some uh, further investigations suggested that she'd actually been assaulted by a white lover but she didn't want her husband to know about it uh, and there was eyewitnesses that came forward after indicating that they yeah, even saw of, this white man leave. one of the little kids who worked in the house later said that it was a white man who did it and um so what happens though is when the sheriff gets there he's got the bloodhounds and they get a scent off of her clothes and they track it on the road towards rosewood they actually take it to a blacksmith just outside of rosewood and um so when they get to the blacksmith the scent just kind of stops and you know no one seems to really know what's going but they find the this empty house where it just kind of stopped out of just right near the blacksmith and they go over to the man who owned the house and his name was Aaron Carrier and he was a World War I veteran a lumberjack black man and he was living at his mother's home at the time, Sarah Carrier, uh, and he was recovering from some unknown illness. We don't really know, but he was laying on a couch there. And, um, but they were like, well, he owns that house, the, the mob. And they're like, so he must be the man that helped this guy or, you know, got this guy away, whatever, you know, he knows the blacksmith. So, um, I what think that is, one thing we should touch on too, and I'm sorry, Mark, that's right. I'm just is that, you know, there's such a thing as a mob mentality, which unfortunately we still see today, yes. where it, it doesn't matter what logic, reason, anything that gets told, they don't care as long as they can find something to focus, whatever this generally very negative um, emotional track too. And that's what they did was instead of going, oh, the trail ended, we might not find this person, we don't know who they are. They go, well, it's gotta, obviously it's this next person. It's, it's that gotta be this guy, it's gotta be that guy, yeah. Happened to be a black man in the, yep. at this and, time. And so they go in to grab the guy. They, they bust into the carrier house and they threaten him with a rope they're gonna they're gonna hang him and then the sheriff realizes he's lost control at this point and he tries to do the right thing he's like i will take this man into my custody and i'm taking him to the marshal and i'm gonna take him back to my jail we'll you know back in sumner and we'll we'll deal we'll let a judge decide this you know, we, we aren't going to let this escalate. And, um, and, a, a, you know, and this is all 
we've gotten this through secondhand testimony from a couple of the kids who witnessed this, but this is years later. So, you know, um, all they know, all we know is at the time he takes him away. Um, now, while he's taking them away, the mob kind of disperses, but then they realize they have not had their bloodlust settled. And they, while they're walking back towards Sumner, a cart with turpentine barrels from the sawmill comes on. And on that is another black man named Sam Carter. And that's where they decide, oh, wait, he works for the blacksmith. And he's got this cart. That's why the bloodhounds lost the trail. He must, the reason he's coming back this way is he took somebody somewhere to get him away. He, he helped this this other guy escape. So they tie a rope around him and and start torturing him. Well, and, it's, you know, these are the type of things and that's why we gave the trigger warning, which yeah. is they, um, one of these gentlemen, they literally tied to a car and drove that's to yeah. town over. Yeah, this and, they they tied him up and were you know torturing him, and he finally says, "Fine, fine, I'll take you where I took the man." And um, because what are you going to do? You give him anything, right? You know, if you're yeah, got a rope around your neck and a knife in your side, you're you're going to say anything. And so they take him to this other place, but the dogs did not pick up the scent because there was no scent to be picked up. And so this time they were you know really putting it to him it's like where 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 and finally some guy a man named bryant hudson kills him with a shotgun just is tired of with all his lies and and with that that's the first death that we know of in the rosewood massacre and yeah. um it's that's where it starts it's terrifying so it begins on a lie. Yeah, begins, on, begins a on a lie of somebody trying to um, save their reputation from technically at that time a crime they committed, because back then adultery was a crime. Yeah, exactly, and that's one of the reasons. And also, she just didn't want her husband to know, you know, and but she was kind of known as kind of the town. Lucy, you know, that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, everybody has had some time with her. Uh, so, you know, this was just what happened that day. We don't know. Um, and, um, and then, like I said, this is just escalating and this is the start. Uh, it, you know, if there, John Singleton, uh, who had made uh, Boys in the Hood, uh, found this story and this was one of his few projects that he made and it's a powerful movie but it's very fictionalized it's it but it tells this story uh probably one of the most brutal depictions of violence on in a movie at the, especially at the time um and um but it you know it condenses a lot it cuts out a lot um adds a few things that you know didn't happen um and invents a whole new character and i think that kind of takes away from what actually happened so that's why we're you know doing this as best we can trying to cover the important bits um 
because basically what happens that you know in the movie it's it's all one night um but in reality that next day things have calmed down it's like oh we we killed the guy we've done what we need to do you know and it's uh but what happened was the story had spread it was slowly spreading remember this is before cell phones before internet newspapers are barely picking this up that a, a white woman was attacked well the nearby paper that gets it is in Gainesville and then another one in Tallahassee and the Tallahassee paper gets it and guess what and the Tallahassee the governor reads it but what but he's also having to deal with is there is an organization that is having their annual meeting nearby called the Ku Klux Klan and they get this notice so they are like what this cannot be and so by now the rumors are swelling that there are armed mobs of black men you know attacking white women and children and and all this other stuff so they decide to retaliate and they start well marching on the town a couple of days and you know, it about got a day posted away. all the way to the new york times didn't it yes like yes it made it to the new york times as this story and and much like the game of telephone instead of um again any truth whatsoever or anybody investigating yeah. it it was a rumor taken that this had happened and that um it changed from it was this prisoner who had gotten away to yep. the black community in Rosewood was um, hiding this prisoner that had done yes. this. Yeah. And so thereby for stoking the flames of this, there's there's still this danger happening, this, this danger out there and you have to do something about it. And I mean, yeah. it's so, just horrifying. It's, it's horrifying how so, this transpired. Yeah. So Tuesday and Wednesday are pretty quiet, but the rumors are circulating. Things are getting worse. The nearby town of Cedar Key is where everybody seems to be organizing. And then they drive up to Sumner to uh, to head over to Rosewood. They're using Sumner as their base of operations and Cedar Key as their base of operations. And by January 4th, they're on the march again for Rosewood. And um, we don't know hundred percent the reasons um but they went to this one house which was being used by all the women and children to hide because they'd heard this was happening they heard this was coming and um and the sheriff of, at this point was not to be found he was dealing with the governor and he was dealing with uh others because the governor calls him and says, hey, I hear things are getting out of hand. I'm willing to send in the guard uh, to help. And he's like, no, uh, the sheriff's like, no, I've talked to the other sheriffs in the area. They're coming to help. What he didn't realize was the other sheriffs were coming to help to help hunt the the, the black people, the you know, the, this one guy, but also the people who were helping him. And yeah, he no, thought they, they were coming to but... help him keep the peace. Yeah, he, he wasn't coming to keep the peace. It was coming to be part and lead the mob and probably give it some um, uh, 
not, you know, in their mind, some, um, uh, you know, officialness. They're being official because it has members of the sheriff's department and they're going to get to the bottom of it. So we're, we're talking at this point before this mob even shows back up again, two people have lost their lives unjustified to this yeah. situation. And the um, black citizens of that town were living in terror because yeah, although exactly. they're all they're hiding all quiet, people are hiding they're, they're they don't hiding. This is in, done. They're hiding in this one house uh, of Sarah Carrier. She's hiding all the women and children because she worked in Sumner cleaning their clothes and stuff like that. She was one of the ones that, you know, kind of saw what was going on and saw how this was building. And so she's like, I'm bringing all the kids into my place. They know me. They're not going to burn my house down. I'll protect your families and all this. But, and, um, you know, there's uh, the great quote from uh, Sarah's grandniece, uh, who's one of the ones who testifies on this many years later, says, um, uh, so I'm going to use some fun words here. Uh, These crackers look like they're going to raise sand up here. They're going to come back and try to kill us all. And that's her quote. And she was not wrong. Um, I think we should probably go ahead and take our break. Uh, because from here on in, it's it's dark. So if you've stayed with us this long, you know, thank you. And, uh, you know, if you can't go on any further, no hard feelings. We understand. Uh, but this is something you should know. This is not taught in your history books. Um, and uh, so if you can, please stick with us. Come back after the break and uh, and we'll we'll tell you more about what's going on. We'll be right back with Erie Travels. Erie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the U.S., Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. Yeah, so we're back. We're back, and the mob has gathered. Yes, and um, they go to Sarah Carrier's house where all the women and children are hiding, and they demand that everybody come out. We want to find this guy. We know you're hiding him. And 
Sarah's son, his name's Sylvester, uh, he comes, he's got a gun and he he's not gonna go out, you know, and somebody there uh gets attacked by a small dog. And uh another trigger warning coming up, uh specifically for Callie. Um and the one of the gang decides, you know, you know, put that dog down and shoots the dog. And then because they do that, gunfire erupts. Everybody starts shooting at the house. And um Sarah Carrier's first one hit. Um and so this is a house full of women and children. And children and one man named Sylvester who did have a gun who fights back because that's what happens. They decide to break into that house. Now, at this point, the kids are running out the back door, right? These guys aren't smart enough to surround the house. And they start running to the swamps. They run to... Uh, Which is good the, that they weren't smart enough to yep. surround the house because There's, there would have been a lot more casualties. Not that there were way too many casualties, but we're talking women and children here too that would have just grown in number yep. because of sheer stupidity of this group of people. Yep. And then what happens is, is um, as they're running, they also go to uh, this guy who named John Wright. He's a white shopkeeper, shopkeeper in town. Uh, he has a big two-story home and some of the kids run into his house uh, and he's he's gonna, you know, he hides them, uh, kind of stacks them, hides them behind some stashes of lumber. Um, there's a, one of the big things in this city is a, is a juke joint, which is what we would call like a bar, uh, you know, kind of place. And a couple of the employees from that place escape there too. Um uh, but back at the carrier house, there's a boy upstairs. Uh, his name is Langley. He was nine at the time. And he, some of the gunfire is spreading into the house. He was upstairs and a glass window shatters and takes out his eye. Uh, he's one of the men to testify many, many years later. Um, he came down the stairs and saw what happens next, which was Sylvester was in the hallway. And the two men came in and kicked open the door and Sylvester let them both have it with a shotgun and killed the two white men, which are two of the recorded deaths at this event. Because that's the, kind the of the number of deaths has there's been rumor going all the way from um, very few all the way up to 150. And I think most have been discounted now down to around 26, right? How many? Yeah. How That's, many? We, we, right now, we only know official account was still only six. So we're at this point, though, we're at five because we have Sarah, the two gentlemen, black gentlemen that died in the beginning of this, and yeah. these two white gentlemen who just got shot with a shotgun. Right. Okay. And so now Sylvester uh, apparently escapes out the back door with this kid at that point. They run uh, and everybody's backing off because they just watched two guys get gunned down in front of them. So the mob is not as brave as it once was. 
Uh, so they run back out. But now the problem is, is two white men are dead, killed by black men. So guess what? That's That makes it 10 times worse in the papers. That makes it 10 times worse amongst the rumor mill. The KKK is on its way. All these sheriffs are coming with their men. It dozens of men start flooding the town. So the next day, they come into town and um, apparently they kill uh, Sylvester somewhere in the woods. They found him and killed him. Um, now that one is a maybe. Again, not documented, but the rumor is that they got him. So um, the uh, now at this point, the town is emptying. Everybody is fleeing the town because they know more trouble is coming. They know it's it's going to be bad. And the mob decides as they get there that night and the next day, this town cannot, you know, we have to kill everybody. And so they start burning the town to the ground. Near, nearly every structure in Rosewood is being burnt to the ground, except for Mr. Wright's house, because he's the white guy. So it's all good. We, we're not going to burn his house or his store. So, um, well, and it's interesting that this went from finding supposed justice for Fanny to yeah. we're going to destroy literally an entire town. Yeah. Except for because this one gentleman has white skin, we're going to leave his house. I'm sure little did they know that there were people from that community that were hiding there for it to be safe. Right. But you exactly. Have all of these people that are displaced from their homes and being hunted for no justifiable reason. Yep. And now this is where, like I said, history, that's all the documentation we really have uh, of deaths and the violence. Um, and that's the scary thing, because what happens is, is these people who fled, families fled into the swamps, fled into the woods, fled into other buildings, they all say, no, some of us ran to the church, some of them ran to these other houses, and they were massacred to a person. Uh, the church was burned down, oh, even though the bells were ringing that it was safe to come into town, but it was just to lure them in. Uh, and they, you know, and all this stuff comes out years later in testimony, um, but not the initial testimony. And then we're going to get into that real, real quickly, because what happens is, is, you know, the, they get to there, the sheriff finally arrives back. He sees the two white men on the carrier porch and basically a grand total of two white men and six black men. So the grand total is eight, I'm sorry, eight deaths altogether. Now, yeah. one of the people who died that we know was Sarah Carrier's husband. And what they had done with him was, again, they captured him and asked him, where is this boy that escaped off the prison? We know you all been hiding him. And and he's like, why have you not buried my my wife? What is going on? He was a, a lame you know, person. He couldn't walk. He couldn't run. They found him hiding in a shed. So that's why they decided he must know something. And they're like, well, fine, you want to bury your wife, bury her. So they made him dig her grave, and then they shot him in her grave and buried her with him. It's terrible, the things that were going on. So that's one of the other men that we know of. 
um, two more strung up, their ears were cut off. I mean, for some reason, you know, there's no reasons for any of this. There's this no reason madness. for anything that they're doing now other than hate. Exactly. This is pure hate and resentment that this town was doing better than Sumner, which is, you know, the white town. This town was better off because they were cleaner. They All their houses were white because they wanted to keep their houses clean. They thought it should always be white. Some of the residents of Rosewood were joking that they'd never seen a different colored house ever until they got to Gainesville, uh, you know, when they escaped. And uh, one of the most amazing parts of this is all the men, you know, all the, this whole town was hiding in the swamps and all this. They, there was a train that went past Rosewood, that went past Sumner. And uh, the two guys who ran it were uh, Civil War vets and they did business in Sumner. They did business in Rosewood. They were the ones who actually picked up a lot of the survivors and took them through on the train, took them through Sumner to get them away. Uh, it was a private train, so they could do that. And uh, they hid the, had them hiding in the back of the train so that the white folks wouldn't see them. Uh, it was, it's a pretty incredible part. It actually becomes a major part of the, the movie version because, you know, that's heroic. It's a cool scene, but... Uh, uh, again, it was it is, a small the, part. It's wonderful but, that so many people in these communities were willing to help versus just this horrific mob mentality. Yeah. So, so they, okay. a lot of people make it to Gainesville. A lot of people hide in the swamps for days. Um, and, and basically <laughs> the, the newspapers at this point say, Hey, you know, this happened. It was, uh, and, um, uh, and then they start, there's pictures of the town burning. Uh, so they realized this was not a simple thing. This was not anything that should have been thing. So the governor <laughs> orders a independent council to study this and figure out what happened and see who all needs to be held accountable for this madness. And the grand jury convenes. And since they can't find any witnesses, it's, you know, there was no crime. Oh, I'm, I'm quite sure they couldn't find any witnesses, you know? Well, and what happened was the, what, what happens after this is everybody fled. They all went as far away as they could. Who would want to ever come back? Well, not know? only that, who would want to say anything? I mean, we're That's talking about a time when something like this could even happen and unfortunately we're still at a time when things like this happen and you would you uh, yeah yeah i have yeah. so many so many emotions on this oh but i know and uh, go ahead sorry i was gonna say that there's literally like i wouldn't testify i mean how are you going to come out of the woodwork and explain what happened to you without putting an even larger target that was already on you, on you. It's yeah. not like, hey, it's safe. And, you know, the cavalry rode in and they got these guys that committed these atrocities and they brought them to, none of that happened. It's like, hey, I'm going to launch an inquiry to see what actually happened. Like, you know, you know you're not going to get any results. No, Like, this is all just pomp and circumstance. And that's just it. What happens is, is, you know, as they run, they change their names, they change their lives because they're terrified somebody's going to hunt them down. Uh, and that's what one of the ladies 
the that uh, I got to talk to was a granddaughter of one of the uh, victims. She, her grandmother was one of the little kids at the time, talked about her time in Rosewood and that it was, they didn't, they hid, they didn't want to talk about it because they were afraid somebody would figure out, oh, they escaped and they were still looking for those guys, that guy who escaped that they never caught. That guy disappeared into the swamps. He's probably got eaten by an alligator uh, or something. Yeah. Um, so all this original ruckus for nothing. Um, and it's crazy to think, yeah, right. Uh, the, the guy who ran the shop, he invited everybody back a few years later, but of course nobody came back. You know, why would you, you know, it's, you know, it would just be, you know, it'd be terrible. You'd be afraid to be hunted down by vigilantes. The clan knew about all this. The clan participated in this. They're all over. You know, you don't know who's a member. This could be terrible. Uh, and so it, literally disappears from the record uh except for these newspaper articles and that one trial until 1980s 60 years pass and a reporter decides he's going to look into his stories about the panhandle you know probably something about alligator wrestlers or you know who knows he just he, he, it's the forgotten coast cedar key that whole area nobody talks about it and um, he, as he's there, it's, you know, it's 1980s and he just wonders, yo, man, this, this town of Cedar Key is like all white people. And so he asks a woman just kind of chatting, um, you know, uh, at this church says, you know, why, why is it, why are there no black residents here? And she immediately like turns on him and says, I know what you're digging for. You're trying to, you want to, you want to learn about the massacre. And he's like, huh? Yeah. What are you talking about? And immediately he starts digging into it to figure it out. And she actually drives him to the site of Rosewood. And there's a few mobile homes, but not anything else. And people had said they'd heard vague things, all this. And so finally, University of Gainesville the library there says no what are you talking about that never happened that's that's not a real thing and they finally find the article uh from the 1923 newspaper and and it was all over the newspapers when he starts looking it's all over the country why did this disappear and and so he tracks down people and for the St. Pete Times he writes this amazing story that brought it all to life and then 60 minutes goes and finds some of the survivors and uh and tracks them down and runs a thing on it and in 1993 um and it, or, or 1983 sorry 1983 so but it takes another 10 years 1992 the survivors finally file a legal claim against the state of florida and say you didn't protect us and they do a full report and that's when it finally comes to life everything and that's where these trials and these hearings come forward 1994 they finally gave everybody a chance to right the wrongs and that's when these people came forward and did their testimony so that is nearly 60 years later over 60 years later before they're allowed to even talk about this and that's where we get these accounts and we find and these kids are talking about 
you know, kids at the time talking about stepping over numerous bodies, mass graves. None of this has ever been found. No one's ever really searched the area as much as it should be because it's it's swamp. It's there's there's not a lot there. Um, but the legislature finally decides to approve a reparations uh, for this, and they issued checks uh, of about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the nine people who could prove they lived there. Yeah, and, they called that what that was called the Rosewood Compensation Bill, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And they also set up a scholarship for any of their descendants would have free college as long as you could prove you were descended from someone who lived in Rosewood um in perpetuity. It's there forever. And um now the Tulsa massacre in Texas, uh there was an Okoe massacre, which isn't too far away. That also happened. They are still trying to get reparations for those events, and nothing's happened. So this was a unique case that it actually did occur. It's um, good that that one part of it is good. Yeah. But coming back sixty years later to try yeah. to because there's not they didn't even come close to the amount of families that I'm sure have descendants that had lived in Rosewood because they all ran. Like, how are you gonna prove that when you wipe out an entire town? If you change your name, you change your life, you know, you you know, that's, and again, you probably didn't wanna talk about it ever. I guarantee you there are some families that don't know that they have residents, they, that one of their family was from Rosewood. He took a train to Chicago, worked in a meat plant. That guy didn't find, that family didn't find out till his deathbed. You know, well, and, and I, I'm sure there are ones that just didn't even discuss it. You wipe that off the map. You don't yeah. bring that up again. It's just, and you know. which is what was done. Um, yeah. I think it's important that we say that there is now one remaining building from Rosewood. Yeah. Correct. The the right farm. Uh, his his store. It's a big, fancy house, and that's all that's left there. Um. There is a historic marker there. It was put up 2004. It is frequently vandalized, of course, which is terrible. That just shows you that we are not over this, uh, even though it should be something that everybody knows. It's another one of those that it's, you know, this day of remembrance, finally, after 100 years, uh, what, January 7th, we had the 100th anniversary took place uh in Gainesville didn't even do it in Rosewood uh did it in Gainesville uh because there was no Rosewood left um there is um one of the um oh gosh what's it um one of the survivors bought a farm there and so that there would still be a park so that it would be remembered uh and there is a Rosewood foundation the, the real rosewood foundation yes so it's rosewoodflorida.com it's the real rosewood and they take donations and i'm going to urge all of our listeners because continuing education continuing understanding and education to start actually learning how not to repeat history like this and the differences that have to get made because this is nothing short of just a complete horror story 
and that we're remembering it a hundred years later. You know, yeah, and the the I finally remember the name of the man. Marvin Dunn is the man who owns the plot of land for Rosewood, where he's made the mark. They moved the marker to his land so that uh, it would be safe, and he's making a park there, uh, and he's part of that uh, group. So yes, definitely, please donate. Do what you can. It's um. And, and educate yourself and be willing to make a change. It's going to take every single one of us doing things differently to make a change. I mean, you know, we have a lot of fun with this podcast and talking about weird and strange things, but like just this week alone, there have been three mass shootings in yeah. California. The violence has to end and it ends by all of us getting ourselves educated and doing something to make a difference. Yep. So I, I know this isn't a typical story for us, but I, I agree, Mark, it's a hundred percent important that we bring this story and make sure it doesn't disappear again. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was, I felt when I was doing research for uh, my second book, it was one of those that I wanted to put in the first book, but I couldn't get a lot of information on it. Even then, 2015, uh, it was hard to get information on the original event. And uh, and then I was able to talk to a couple of the families of the survivors who had you know firsthand accounts of this, and they were talking walking over, you know what you know where they say oh three guys got shot. No, they said there were dozens, and that's vague, very vivid memories for them. They are they were traumatized, and their family you know. It's, you know, it's an inherited trauma. They've got to deal with all this. And it's um, now that we're finally able to talk about it. Uh, I remember, was it the Watchmen TV show uh, a couple of years ago, did a thing on the Tulsa massacre. And a lot of people didn't think that was real. They thought it was just television. And um, and then, and like I said, the Rosewood movie helped. But again, that was Hollywood. It was a Hollywood version, but it is still something. If you watch it, you'll get a big taste of what happened. Yeah. Uh, but and there's a great 60 minutes that was done on this that yep, gives the, even more firsthand accounts so please what we're going to ask you is of course if you have a short story out there we always ask regardless of the story please feel free to share it with us go to erietravels.com we would love to hear your stories um we only hope that everybody out there listening takes some time and finds ways to make a difference in this world because this is our world and we have to be responsible for it. So I, I think I speak for me and Mark, you know, this is horrific. We, we were glad we were able to bring it to you if this is the first time you're ever hearing about it, but do take some time to make a difference. Take, take some time to do something and we'll include how to donate in our show notes. And Mark, is, is there anything else? I mean, uh, you know, again, it's one of those, you know, like I said, if you have a story that you want us to dig into that you feel hasn't been touched, something dark history or even just, you know, something unusual, yeah, definitely drop us a line. We're happy to look into it and discuss. I mean, we're, you know, this is, these are things that we have to keep alive just as like we keep the folklore alive. We keep the, this is history that could have been lost and was lost, thankfully has been regained and uh, can teach us. And if we forget our history, we're doomed to repeat it. And we should never do that. And so. unfortunately, that's what's happening right now. So um, I think for me and Mark here at Erie Travels, we hope you have a good night and thank you for staying with us on this particular tale.
Yeah. Thank you so we'll much. See you, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.